Hey, we're in a series, let's get right into it now, called How They Do It, all right? How They Do It, and we're looking at some scriptures and we're talking about four aspects of life and we're bringing in a biblical character along with a live family or live individual in our church to tell their story, and you'll see a video in a few moments about one of our families. Let's get right into the scripture, and we'll take off, all right? Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith, say faith, into his grace, this grace in which we have now or we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering, say suffering. It's a key element in our message today because how many besides me doesn't like to do that? All right, I'd just rather not have that aspect of my life. But how many's found out it's pretty much a common factor? Something's always going on. Am I right about that? Now, don't get in the gloom and doom because we're not gonna live there but it's reality of life, amen? Stuff happens, but it happens for a purpose. And here's what I want you to separate today. How many of you knows that there's a thing called temptation, and that comes from the enemy to get us to fall and leave our faith in our relationship with God? God never tempts any man, the book of James says. So temptation comes to pull me away from God, but testing or times of suffering come from God to build character, hope, endurance, and faith to help build me to become more like God. And so we've got to understand that suffering, testing, produces perseverance or endurance that Pastor Brad talked about last Sunday. Was that not an awesome message on Job? One of the best I've ever heard on endurance, and it now produces character and character Hope. I want to talk to you about this character today. And then it tells us that hope does not put us in shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That in the ultimate end, we're going to talk about hope next Sunday, that when you go through this thing called faith, and it's a progressive journey that faith leads you into endurance and endurance leads you into character and character brings you into hope. And God says, when you get there, you won't be put to shame. I'm gonna be glorified in this. I've got a miracle ready to happen in your life, amen? And so I want us to get on this today because we're gonna talk about a guy, a biblical character called Joseph. And I wanna talk about Joseph, chaos to character. Because Joseph went through a journey from chaos into divine character building in God. Character means the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. The way someone thinks, feels, and behaves. Qualities of honesty, courage, and integrity, or the like. And we read in the scripture that faith during times of suffering produces perseverance or endurance and character. And this biblical guy called Joseph, because character enables you to stand during the most difficult situations in your life. That as I find this faith in God, faith is what? The substance of things hoped for with the evidence of things not yet seen. So my faith is in reality my hopeless of what I'm hoping God to do in my life. And when I begin to walk out that hope, that, that faith in God, calling things as though they are, even though they're not yet 
I'm calling them forth by faith, it produces this endurance that makes you walk when you would normally quit, helps you to hold on when you would normally give up. So I find this endurance that we heard about in Job, and then as I endure through this time of suffering, it's building character. They're starting to build character in my life. And when we understand that, we begin to walk out because we look at Joseph's story and I'm just gonna take you through the points on your notes and take you through the story instead of trying to tell you the whole thing at the beginning. But the story starts with Joseph when he's 17 years old. He's one of 12 brothers in his family. 10 of them were half brothers that were born to another woman through their father, Jacob. But he and his younger brother, Benjamin, were born to the mother, Rachel. And so he's got 10 half-brothers, and he's got one brother that's the same mother and father as him. But here's what I want you to see. He's now in this family. It's already got some stuff going on, and I'll explain that in a few minutes. But the Bible said that Jacob, Joseph's father, loved him more than all of the other sons. Now, how many knows right there we got some problems going on? Because how many here have children? How many had children come up and go, I'm your favorite, aren't I? <laughs> and that's usually when they want something. Amen. Amen. And, and, and how many knows you don't answer that question? Because if you do, you created an issue that you can't put out. But Jacob did. He answered it and said it out loud and announced it to all of his family that Joseph is my favorite son. Not only did he do that, he made a special coat called a tunic for Joseph. And, and, and scholars say that it would be like a robe that would go all the way down to the ground, long sleeve, and it was made up of a variety of colors. It was bright, it was all glamorous. And, and so he gave that to Joseph as a special gift, saying that he was my special son, he's my favorite son. And now you got this issue going on that Joseph's got 10 half-brothers, so there's already a family crisis or could be there, and Joseph helped make it that. And, and now you got a father showing favoritism to him over his other brothers. So how many knows that's adding to the issue? And then Joseph, one of his jobs or obligation was to go out and meet his brothers while they're out serving and watching the cattle and the flock and all of this. And the Bible said that when he would leave there, he would come back and always bring a negative report about his brothers to the father. And so there's some issues going on there that, that's some stuff. And so I want to show you this story today and take you through because God lets us see this in Joseph because Joseph is not ready for what God is wanting to do through him right now. He's got some rough edges. He's got some ego. He's got some pride going on. He's got some attitude. He's a punk kid is what he really is. And so he would go out and when he would go see his brothers, he would wear that robe. Now why wear the robe out where your brothers are watching the sheep? because he wanted them to see it. You're gonna see why in just a moment. And so here's this punk 17-year-old kid with an attitude, and God's going, I'm gonna make him the, the deliverer and restorer of my nation. I got a plan for this kid's life, so I've gotta take him on a journey to develop character inside of him to prepare him for me to use him like I wanna use him. So let's start the journey. Number one, character enables you to stand even if your start was rocky. Because how many would acknowledge that Joseph had a rocky start right here? All right, I mean, things aren't really in good perspective right now for this to be the guy for God to do something amazing with. 
And so he had a rocky start, but let me tell you how bad it really was. You see, Joseph's father, Jacob, he deceived his father, Isaac, Joseph's grandfather, by cheating his brother Esau out of the birthright. And so there's trickery, there's deception in this family lineage right from the beginning because we see that Joseph's father tricked his own brother out of his birthright and, and obtained the blessing in a wrong way. There was great tension between Jacob, Joseph's grandfather, and Lebanon. Jacob loved Rachel, the Bible said, but was tricked. And here's the thing, Jacob tricked his brother, but he got tricked with his wife. Because Jacob was in love with Rachel, but got tricked into marrying her sister Leah. And so he married the wrong one. He didn't love her, he got tricked into marrying her, and later on, he married Rachel as well. Because in the Old Testament, the law did not forbid them to have more than one wife. It was not recommended or encouraged by Scripture, but it was not forbidden. But you will go and see throughout Scripture that every time a man got more than one wife, there was some issues going on that God had to try to come in and fix. And, and, and thank God for the grace in the New Testament where Jesus said, let every man leave his mother and father and cleave to one wife. All husbands go, thank God for the grave. <laughs> Amen. I love my wife, but two honey-do lists just ain't going to happen, all right? That's just too much for any man to endure in his lifetime. But look at Joseph's situation. Not only is he married to two women, he's married to two sisters that don't like each other. He got some stuff going on. And then you add on to that that two of Joseph's half-brothers, Simeon and Levi, became angry at a village who sexually degraded their sister Dinah, and they murdered the whole village. And then you add to that, Joseph's oldest brother, Reuben, had an affair with his father's concubine. Can you join me today and say that Joseph is having a rocky start coming from a very dysfunctional family? Come on, did I get everybody witness on that so I can move on? His start wasn't pleasant. He's not, he's not coming out of this godly home with all this good stuff. And, and, and though it was a godly home, you got to understand, godly doesn't mean exempt from trouble. And many of you are disqualifying yourself from what God's plan and purpose in your life is because of your natural dysfunctional family and you're missing the spiritual thing that God's wanting to do in your life. And I look at many of you, and I know your story today, and, and it's amazing the miracle that God can do. It really, really is. And so Joseph's mother, Rachel, she dies giving birth to the, the youngest, Benjamin. And so now you've got Rachel out of the picture. Leah's mad, and she's the mother of 10 of the brothers. And so now all this animosity is flying back and forth. And Joseph has the nerve. It's in your scripture, so I'm not going to take a lot of time to read it because it's a lot. But let me just tell you what happened. Joseph has the nerve to tell his brothers. He says, look, I had this dream. So he's just putting gas on the fire. You know what I mean? Remember, he's this young punk kid with an attitude, and he's got daddy's coat, and he don't care if you like him or not because I've got daddy's favor on my side and he had a dream and he runs and tells his brothers, let me tell you my dream. I was dreaming and, and we were out there and, and, and my sheep, talking about a harvest, the wheat, he said my sheep grew up and stood up tall and all of your sheaves bowed down and worshiped mine. That didn't fly good. That didn't go over too good. 
And so can you throw the scripture up real quick? I don't know if I've messed you up back there because I'm messing up. And here's what happened. And then one day, they're, they're out there and they're going, can you go to the next one? Here you go. And so Joseph, he's going out to meet his brothers again after he's told them that dream. And here's what they said. Here comes the dreamer. They saw him coming. They said to each other, come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of these pits and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. They're ready to kill him. How many would say that his start was pretty rocky? You see, if you haven't realized that today, you've got to come and understand that you and I are on the same journey. So much of what's taking place around you is simply a test by God to see where your faith scale is at, where your endurance scale is at, and where your character scale is at. God wants to find out where you are. And so he lets these tests come into our life that tells us exactly where we are. Then it leads us to point number two, and that's character enables you to stand even if family and friends don't support you. Because how many's found out that's usually where you're going to get hit with your greatest opposition? I know you're writing, but I want you to look at me for two seconds and then you can finish writing. I want you to get this. Mediocre people want to keep everybody around them mediocre. Because when you determine in your heart that you're gonna press into God's ultimate purpose, you're gonna go after the dreams in your life, you're gonna go after what God's got for you, mediocre people, and they're usually family and close friends that don't wanna make that type of commitment are gonna be there with a rope around your neck trying to keep pulling you back down. And character is gonna enable you to stand even if no one else stands with you. Look in Genesis 37. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic or his robe, which tells us he's wearing it out there to meet them. Why? You're going out to where they're watching cattle and lamb and sheep and herds. Why are you wearing a robe? You're trying to make a statement. And they took his tunic of many colors that was on him. They then took him and cast him to a pit and the pit was empty and there was no water in it. And scholars teach us that these pits that they're talking about were in the shape of like a pear, that the top was small and then it got rounded underneath that and they did that intentionally so that whoever they threw in had no way of climbing out. They were in there until they died unless somebody came and rescued them. And they threw Joseph into this pit to die, and then the elder brother goes, you know, maybe we're taking this too far. Maybe we shouldn't go this far with it. And, and all of a sudden, this caravan of Israelites come driving through, and they said, you know what, let's sell him. Let's, let's just sell him and let him be a slave, and we'll tell dad that an animal killed him. And that's what it did in the next verse. Then Midianite traders passed by, so the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Israelites, excuse me, for 20 shekels, of silver. They sold their own brother. Can I tell you, there's some people you think will die for you that'll put their fingerprint on the trigger. You can't have your faith in anybody but him. And listen to me today, many are going through the same thing because no one, no one can distract or destroy you that doesn't already have your ear. Well, I don't know why you stay with that fool. I'd have left him a long time ago. 
Right? I don't know why you want to keep trying to love somebody that won't love you back in return. I, I don't know why you want to keep praying and going to church when God hadn't answered your prayer yet. Anybody heard any of that kind of stuff? Yes, amen. There's people that have your ear that want to steal your hope and steal your faith and steal your dream. No one can stab you in the back that's not close enough to hug your neck. And you got to realize that character enables you to stand when you stand all by yourself. Characters develop when you move forward. When no one seems to move with you, you seemingly stand alone, but you keep standing. God begins to build this thing called character because true character is found when you learn to stand by your personal convictions. You stand on your dreams and your desires. The eternal destiny of yourself and others is the source of your motivation, not your recognition or attention. It's all about God and his purpose. And God was taking Joseph from this punk kid. He's now going, I've got to get him in shape. I've got to develop some character inside of him because I've got this ultimate thing that I need him to do down here and bring in restoration to my nation. And he's not ready. He, he doesn't have the right attitude. He doesn't see right. He doesn't think right. I've got to develop him into that person. I've got to change and build his character. And the first thing he does is he separates him from those that he would call family or friends because God has to isolate us sometimes to talk to us. Amen, preacher. Amen. Character enables you to stand even when you're faced with experiences of both favor and disappointments. Because how many's found out life brings us both? Life brings us both. That character enables you to stand when you experience favor and disappointments. If you've not noticed, the journey of life is one of peaks and valleys. Seasons of abundance and moments of drought, overwhelming joy and then unbearable pain, motivation to go forward and then the temptation to quit. We face the both in life and we have to understand that, that God is using both to develop character within us. And how many's found that out in life? Just stay with me because they'll take care. Just stay with me. How many's found out in life that his peaks and his valleys? His peaks. In his valleys. And just as soon as you get comfortable with this mountaintop, ooh, valley. But let me also tell you, it takes two mountaintops to make one valley. And we've got to come today and grab hold of this fact and grab hold of this truth. All right, Genesis chapter 39, it says, the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian Potiphar, the officer of Pharaoh, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made him do, uh, to, may, may, excuse me, let me just go here. Then he made him overseer, no, let me go back. Just take me back. I'm trying to read small print, and I can't even see it. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, Potiphar, officer of Pharaoh, and his master saw that the Lord was with him. Watch this. And the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. So here's this kid, this punk attitude kid, he gets thrown into a pit by his brothers. He's sold into slavery. He's now taken to Egypt where he is bought by Potiphar to be a slave and a servant in his house. And Potiphar immediately sees and recognizes that there's something different about this kid. 
And all of a sudden, he puts him as the overseer of his house. How many would call that divine favor of God? Pretty good ride right there. That's a pretty good deal, right? From pit to palace. But it didn't take long until all of a sudden Potiphar's wife started getting the eye with this 17-year-old kid. Like, he's handsome, he's cute, and she started flirting with him, and all the way to the point that she started saying, come, come on and spend the night with me, come and sleep with me, and, and here's this 17-year-old kid with hormones flying out the window, and he's going, no, no, no. How many knows that's God? Yeah. <laughs> all right? Every parent of a teenage boy went, that was God right there, that was all God. And, and, and Joseph's going, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that she tempted him one more time, and he finally left and fled her presence, and he left his robe there. And she grabbed his robe, and she took it to her husband, Potiphar, and said, that young man you brought into our house, he just tried to molest me. And he ran. When I began to scream, he ran so fast, he left this. Here's my proof. And I want to tell you something. That coat that Joseph allowed to become his identity became his nightmare. And anything outside of God that you let become your identity, that you flaunt out there as look at me, will one day come back and be your worst enemy. And Joseph did that, and he ran, and he fled, and, and Potiphar got so angry, and in culture and tradition, he would have put him to death. He should have put him to death, but he knew his wife enough to know it probably wasn't all Joseph. And instead of putting him to death, he put him in his prison. So now Joseph's gone from pit, palace, prison. Do you see the up and down? He's got to learn to stand in the favor and in the times of suffering. Because you see, Joseph was growing and developing in character. God was allowing it to develop his character. Potiphar did not find a bitter, mad, complaining Joseph sitting on a sideline. Those Joseph's service through it, he immediately recognized God's favor on him and his faith and endurance was molding that character. You see, anytime you move into the favor and blessing of God, you gotta guard yourself because the thief and the robbers come to steal, kill, and destroy. He's come to take everything that God is doing in your life away. You see, most oftentimes it comes through negative and exaggerated thinking. Satan doesn't care about you. He wants to kill God's purpose in you. It's not you that Satan's so threatened by today. It's the purpose of God that rests inside of you. He wants to destroy that while God's trying to develop it. Number four, character enables you to stand even if your breakthrough requires a long time of waiting. How many besides me just hates that word? Hate it, because I don't like to wait. I like it right now. But you know, if God did that, we would never grow. It's that waiting process that builds that character within us. And that was what God was doing with Joseph. Because you see, Joseph is once again now thrown into prison. He's experienced a family feud, a false accusation. He'll now experience a forgetful friend. Because Pharaoh, he had two guys, a butler and a baker, and they did some crazy stuff, so he throws them into prison too. And they have dreams. And I don't have time to get in all the details, a whole nother sermon on his own. And so they have dreams and Joseph interprets them and he tells the baker, you're gonna get hung, you're gonna die tonight. And he did. 
And he tells the butler, you're gonna be restored back into favor with Pharaoh. And he was. And all of a sudden, when they find out that the butler's been restored and the dream that was interpreted as true and has come to pass, while the butler's being exited from the prison and freed, Joseph grabs him and he makes a major mistake, but he showed God where his heart really was. And he grabbed the butler and he says, sir, 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 by the way, when you meet Pharaoh, tell him I don't belong here, that I'm innocent, that my brothers betrayed me and his Potiphar's wife lied on me. Just tell him that I don't belong here. And God said, mm, you're not ready, two more years. God said, you still got pride and ego and self-centeredness inside of you. You're not ready to do what I need you to do in my kingdom. And God left him in prison for two more years because there was still some edges that had to be fine-tuned because he was building character because the very family that Joseph was still cursing, God was wanting to get him ready to bless. And so he left him in prison for two more years. You got to see when character comes, it enables you to walk through that waiting period that God's refining us and building us to hold on. And how many in here right now would say there's some stuff that I know God has promised me and it's just taken a long time to get there? Come on, anybody? Come on, what's God doing? He's trying to build character in you. Because the Bible says that the father delights in blessing his children. So if that hadn't come yet, then it's a sign to me that God's trying to build something in me. Come on, y'all with me? Am I talking to anybody in here? That why hasn't God answered this yet? Why hasn't God answered this yet? Why hasn't God answered this yet? You gotta understand that there's an ultimate goal. And we're gonna see it in scripture that God's letting you walk through that story because there's some people watching you. Here's some people in your neighborhood, in your family, on your job, on that ball field. They're watching you. They know that you're going through a struggle just like them. They just wanna know if you're gonna handle it different than they do. What keeps you smiling? What keeps you believing? What keeps you going when they're quitting and giving up on life? It happens to us all. And you gotta walk through that time frame. You gotta walk it out and trust God and watch God do unbelievable things in your life. Because God's got a plan for that. I wanna tell you, all of us deal with that, my friend. All of us. You gotta understand, God's got a work that he's wanting to do in your life. And that leads us into this next area that I wanna to talk to you about. And we're gonna cover them real quick. Because once you understand this journey of character building, then I wanna show you that character equips you to, number one, focus on what's happening in you, not to you. Because aren't we guilty when we're going through a time of suffering to focus on what's happening to me and miss what God's trying to do in me? Come on, guilty. And that's our natural instinct. And, and if Joseph had stayed there, He'd have never fulfilled God's purpose in his life. But there was a, a thing that God was trying to do in Joseph, and, and Joseph had to see that, and I want to tell you today, you've got to see that also. You can't get caught up in what's happening to you and miss what God's trying to do in you because it's what God's trying to do in you that's going to have a major impact on you and the people that are around you watching you. And I want to tell you that, I mean, that's exactly where our family's at right now with our grandson is that as a pastor, I want to tell you, there's not a day in the last year and a half, not one day that I haven't found myself somewhere just bawling and crying and calling out to God for a miracle in my grandson's body, not a day. 
And it can be a great day, and all of a sudden, you're just like in this zone of just like, I, I, you gotta, I just trust you, you got to. And, and you find yourself just weeping tears and crying, and then you wipe them up and you go on. And you get up and you preach and you share the gospel because it still works. And you gotta come to a point that I can either sit over here and deal with what's happening to me, or I can look inside of that and find what God's doing in me through it. And he's given me a whole new perspective of his sovereignty and his awesomeness and his goodness. And, and whatever he does in the life of my grandson, you will see me back in this pulpit going, he's done me nothing but good. And declare the goodness of God that you can't live your life on what's happening to you. You've got to live your life out of what God's doing inside of you. Because that's what people see. I've got more to be responsible for than why did this happen, God? There's five to 600 people that gather here every Sunday that's following wherever my feet go. And I'm honored and, and, and humbled by that. But I want to tell you the responsibility that people are watching us. They're following us. And God's trying to develop that character in us that no matter what comes our way, you this is the day the Lord hath made. I choose to rejoice and be glad in it. Greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. God is my force, my strength, my power, my shield. No weapon formed against me today shall prosper in Jesus' name. And you look up into the heavens and declare that he's the light unto my feet, a lamp unto my path. He knows the way that I take. Nothing can happen today that caught God by surprise. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at my situation, not why me, but thank God you chose me me. Amen. Come on, you're with me today. Amen. You start realizing today, it's not about what's happening to me. It's what's God doing in me. Amen. Number two, you respond rather than react to your offense. Because our first reaction is always to what? Quit. I'm done. I quit. Just quit. Why bother? I quit. I'm through. What if Joseph had done that? We wouldn't be here today because, by the way, and I'm getting ahead of myself, those 12 sons, all that dysfunctionalism became the 12, the patriarchs of the 12 tribes of Israel. If you didn't know that. They become the patriarchs of the 12 tribes of Israel because Jacob's name was later changed to Israel. And those 12 sons became the, 12, the patriarchs of the 12 tribes of Israel. We wouldn't even have what we're doing right here today if Joseph hadn't fulfilled that story. And if you don't fulfill that walk and you don't carry out that plan, that dream that God's got in your life, you don't let God develop that character inside of you to enable you to be that vessel that he wants to use to bless a people, a family, a nation, many people are gonna miss out on God's promise in their life. But if you walk it out and endure that time of suffering, he said, I'm gonna develop faith, I'm gonna develop endurance, and I'm gonna build some character in you. Come on, thank God for God, amen? amen. Thank God for his presence. So here it is, respond rather than react to offense because responding is knowing that life is not about us. It's about God's purpose. Satan's attack is always about your purpose, not your person. Reaction is about you, a defense mechanism, but responding is always about others fulfilling God's ultimate plan in your life. Here's a video of one of our families. I want you to see it, and we're gonna wrap up right after that. Amazing, amazing story.
Personally, I was looking for something more than, than just going to church on every holiday. And I went home and I told my family I had found that church. Uh, sure enough, we went the first Sunday and uh, we got saved all in the same day. Uh, the reason that we moved here it was because my husband was in the military and um, he used to go overseas all the time for long periods of time. And I was always pretty much me and the kids. But as soon as uh, he retired, he decided to do the same job that he was doing, being away for long period of times. So when, when Katerina happened, you know, he, he went um, away for two or three years, can remember. Uh, when he came back, he was a different man. Um, I guess he he saw different things, or but I couldn't get through that. He um, withdrew. He uh, he just stayed to himself. I tried to talk to him many times. He just uh, he just didn't have answers. And I went to counsel it for many years. Went to the altar many times because I wanted uh, to work it out. So by the time that he was ready to work it out, I was not. One time we pastor called me and I came to see him and, and Gary was there. And, um, but I was down. And uh, I told the pastor and him right there um, that uh, the only way that I was gonna go back to Gary to work it out if it, if it was if uh, God himself came down and told me. During the time, I, um, I went through, oh, so much. Um, and, uh, and my mother in that time passed away. And though I, did, I, I didn't have no, no family, and in that time, you know, my church was my family. And, and I was by myself, not, the, not, not my family, not my kids, nobody. I was all alone. Uh, I went through a really, really hard time. So I really, really went straight from the church and everything. I went through a major depression. Um, that uh, my only thing that kept me going was my job because I had to. I had to get up to go to that to that job. If not, I would uh, stay in bed all day long. God, I knew he was there, but I didn't look for him. I didn't bring him into my misery. I was uh, in a deep, dark hole. One day I decided to come back to church. I pray for God to change him many times and do this and do that, but uh, it never happened. So uh, then we had the 21-day prayer, and I was coming, and and praying, just saying. And they said that, you know, to pray differently, to, to pray for him. So I started praying for him, and I started coming often. We stayed together, he never gave up, he stayed. I mean, we didn't have much to say for 10 years. And um, one day, I don't know, I didn't have nothing, I didn't have no no resentment, no anger, no nothing. I was set free. Yes, I saw him with a different love. You know, and I even told Gary, 
at one time. It's like that, that I know that God has us together. We're doing really good. We're back. We're back together, and uh, it's, 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 it's been Maria is with us in the back. They were both with us in the eight o'clock service. And what an amazing testimony of a journey of character building because both of them didn't want to give an inch. I mean, I counseled with them, prayed with them, met with them, and you'd get one going, okay, and then the other one's like, I don't want it. Then the other one go, okay, I will, and the other one go, I ain't ready. And Maria said it. She said in front of me, in front of Gary, she said, the only way I will ever get back with him is if God come in person and told me I had to. And there were days I wanted to grab Maria and go, listen to me. They don't want to get Gary and go, you idiot. You know? And on a 21-day, during our 21-day prayer, which will be starting again in August, God spoke to Maria, set her free, went home and told her husband, today they're like lovebirds. I mean, we have to really tell them in church, y'all can't get that close, y'all. Get a room. You know, and they're just like newlyweds and only God can do that. Come on. Can we just give God praise for that? I mean, it's just amazing story, but we share their story today and I wrap up in just two, three minutes here that what was God doing? He had him on a journey because just like with Joseph, there was a lot of rough edges that had to be smoothed off and God was, he didn't exempt them from the suffering. He used it to do his purpose and get them where they needed to be. And today, they're a great testimony, touching many, many couples and many lives. But it leads us to our fourth point that Gary and Maria and Joseph fulfilled, and that is you got to hold out during tough times. You can't give up when it starts getting tough. You got to hold out. Joseph endured a dysfunctional family, betrayal of his brothers, false accusation, a rejection of a friend, a two-year jail sentence. He held out. And here's what happened, that when he, when he interpreted those dreams of Pharaoh, the Bible said that Pharaoh had such favor, and I'm gonna skip through so much to just give you the nutshell of the story. Go to Genesis around, somewhere around chapter 34, 35 in there, you'll start seeing the story of Joseph. We'll read it to chapter 50, it's a great story to read. But Joseph now, is, he's interpreted Pharaoh's dream, because when Pharaoh had a dream, his magicians couldn't do it couldn't interpret it, and the butler said, oh, by the way, two years later, he remembered to tell Pharaoh. There's this guy down there that interpreted my dream and the baker's dream, and they come to pass. You might want to talk to him, and he sent for Joseph, and Joseph come out, and he interpreted the dream of Pharaoh, who is the monarch, the king of Egypt. And he said, your dream represents this, sir, that you're about to have seven years of plenty, and, and it's going to flourish, and then there's going to be seven years of famine, so you need to save up in the first seven years of plenty for the seven years of famine. And he immediately found favor with Pharaoh. And Pharaoh took this prisoner, falsely accused of rape, straight out of prison and made him second in charge of Egypt, even the overseer Potiphar. Second in charge of the entire nation. And Joseph developed an irrigation system that the world had never seen. And it brought such prosperity and harvest that there was so much left over in the seven years of famine that people from all their nations began to come and get food. And guess who had to come and get food? His brothers. Because they were in famine now. They were in drought. They had nothing. And so all the brothers came to Egypt except Benjamin. The father kept him saying, he's my youngest. And if, and if, if, if this is a trap and they kill all of my family, I at least have this one. 
And the brothers came and they didn't know it was Joseph because they thought he was dead. And even in a conversation, Joseph started asking them, where are you from? Where, what about your family? Tell me about, and he was just wanting to know, how's dad? How's Benjamin? And they said, we have another brother at home and, and he's our youngest and we had another brother, but he's gone, he's dead. They thought he was dead. And our father, he's doing good. And the Bible said that Joseph was so moved with compassion, so happy to see his brothers that he moved into another room and shed tears and cleaned his face, washed his face and come back out to greet his brother. He was so moved to see them. How many know God had to do some character stuff for him not to go, you know what you did to me? Payback. He was so moved that they come with money and they bought grain and they bought food and, and Joseph had his servants to fill their bags overflowing and he said, by the way, put their money back in it. Don't tell them, just put their money back. And they did, and on the way home, he had them arrested, brought back to Egypt so he could question them some more about the father and the son. And, and then he told them, look, one of you, you gotta stay here. He put a silver cup, and I'm just cutting through so much story. He put a silver cup in Benjamin's because they had to go home and get Benjamin. That's why he kept one of them. He brought them back, put them in jail, and then let all of them go except one so that they would have to bring Benjamin back. They brought Benjamin back, and. Then he filled their bags again and sent them home and had Benjamin's cup. They arrested Benjamin. Now he said, you gotta bring the father. So he had to do that to get the whole family there. And when he had all the brothers there, he lined them up for a meal and he put them in the order of their age. They're sitting there going, how does he know? Who is this? How does he know? And then all of a sudden he discloses who he is. I'm Joseph, I'm your brother. And they immediately begin to respond by, oh no, you know, are you gonna do to us what we did to you? And he assured them, no, it's okay. Cause I've been on a journey. I've been on a journey and God's been doing something amazing in my life. And here's what Joseph closed the meeting out with. What you meant for evil, God has meant it for good. And can I tell you today, if you and I will walk out this journey and let God develop character within us that we're not resentful, we're not bitter, we're not living in unforgiveness, we're not missing God's purpose, but we're letting God develop that character within us. You'll be able to look back at those that tried to destroy you down the road and go, what you meant for evil. See, we always use that scripture for the devil and it had nothing to do with the devil. We hear what Satan meant for evil, God meant for good. That wasn't even addressed to Satan. It's addressed to his brothers. What you you, you that tried to destroy me, that tried to keep me from my purpose and dream, what you did, what you meant for evil, God has meant it for good. Let God develop that character in your life because when you let him do that, not only did Joseph bless his family, he blessed an entire nation. And in blessing that nation, he allowed the establishment of the tribes of Israel that you and I today are blessed. So I want to challenge you today. Walk it out. Walk it out. Faith. Faith with endurance. And through that endurance, God's going to develop character. And we walk out our character. Next Sunday, we're going to talk to you about now entering into that hope, that answer that God has for us in Jesus' name. Amen. You receive God's word today. Receive it. Father, we thank you today for your grace and love in our life, Lord. And I thank you, God, that you have loved us and you're walking us out in this journey, Lord. And, and God, I thank you for each one here. And God, I just pray, Father, that you help us today that we recognize and realize, God, that you're doing a work. 
You've got us on a journey. God, in that journey, Lord, you're developing our character. God, I pray that you help each one of us not to give up, but to walk it out. That job's coming. That income's coming. That marriage is coming. That health is coming. That situation's coming, Lord. That answer's happening, God. I'm gonna walk it out in Jesus' name as you develop that character within me. And we thank you for it. If you're here right now and my heads are bowed and you go, Pastor Dan, I, I just need to start with step one right now. I'm not a Christian. I'm not a believer in Jesus right now. I believe in him, but I haven't committed my life to him. And today I wanna start that journey and I just wanna say yes to God. I know he's real and I know he's been talking to me and I just wanna say yes. I'm ready to start. If that's you, would you just slip a hand up and you can put it right back down. If there's one in here, God bless you. Anyone else, you say, that's me, that's me. Maybe online, you're with us today and you need Jesus. Pray this prayer with me across the congregation. If you raise your hand or you did not and you need Christ, pray this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I can be saved. So right now, I come to you. I confess, I believe, and I receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give a hand clap of praise.